Hello, my friends. This is Nikki. Welcome to episode 28 of Learning About the Lord. Today we'll be talking about when Jesus meets John and James of Zebedee for the first time, and also when John and James bring the news of the Messiah to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. We'll be reading from Maria Valtorta's Poem of the Man-God, Volume 1. Jesus is walking along the green strip of vegetation that borders the Jordan River. He has gone back to the same place where he was baptized. He proceeds along his way northwards, absorbed in his thoughts. Now don't forget Jesus has just spent 40 days fasting in the desert and has already been tempted by the devil. And now he's beginning his public life by coming back to the Jordan and he's going to begin to choose men to become his apostles. Jesus reaches the ford. He meets a group of men of different ages who are discussing animately, and then they part, some southwards, some northwards. Among those going northwards, I see John and James. John is the first to see Jesus, and he points him out to his brother and companions. They talk a little amongst themselves, and then John starts walking quickly to reach Jesus. James follows him, walking a little slower. The others do not show any interest. They walk slowly while discussing. When John is near Jesus, about two or three meters behind him, he shouts, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus turns around and looks at him. There are now only a few steps between them. They look at each other, Jesus with his serious, scrutinizing look, John with his pure eyes smiling in his beautiful, youthful face. He is about twenty years old. Whom are you looking for? asks Jesus. For you, Master. How do you know I am a Master? The Baptist told me. Well then, why do you call me Lamb? And John answers, because I heard him call you so one day when you were passing by just over a month ago. What do you want from me? asks Jesus. I want you to tell us words of eternal life and to comfort us. But who are you? asks Jesus. I am John of Zebedee, and this is James, my brother. We are from Galilee, and we are fishermen, but we are also disciples of John the Baptist, he spoke words of life to us, and we listen to him, because we want to follow God and deserve his forgiveness, doing penance, and thus prepare our hearts for the coming of the Messiah. You are the Messiah. John the Baptist said so, because he saw the sign of the dove descending on you. He said to us, Here is the Lamb of God. I say to you, Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, Give us peace, because we no longer have anyone who may guide us, and our souls are upset. Where is John? asks Jesus. Herod has taken him. He is in prison. Come, says Jesus. But do you know what you are asking for? Who follows me will have to leave everything, his home, his relatives, his way of thinking, also his life. I will make you my disciples and my friends if you so wish, but I have neither wealth nor protection. I am poor, 
and I shall be even poorer, to the extent of not having a place where I may rest my head, and I will be persecuted by my enemies, even more than a lost sheep is pursued by wolves. My doctrine is even more rigid than John's, because it forbids also resentment. And my doctrine is concerned not so much with external matters as it is with the soul. You must be reborn if you want to be my disciples. Are you willing to do that? Yes, Master, says John. Only you have words that can give us light. They descend upon us where there was darkness and desolation because we had no guide. They shed light and sunshine. Come then, says Jesus. Let us go. I will teach you on our way. Now Jesus is speaking directly to us. And he says, The crowd that met me was a large one, but only one person recognized me. He whose soul, mind, and flesh were pure and free from all lewdness. I insist on the value of purity. Chastity is always the source of clear ideas. Virginity refines and then preserves intellectual and emotional sensitiveness, elevating it to such a perfection that only a virgin can experience. There are many ways of being a virgin. By compulsion, and this applies particularly to women, when no one ever proposed to them, the same should apply to men. There is also wanted virginity, that is, the virginity of those who consecrate themselves to the Lord with the ardor of their souls, a beautiful virginity, a sacrifice pleasing to God. But they do not all persist in their purity like lilies, which stand upright on their stalks looking towards heaven, unaware of the mud on the ground, open to the kisses of God's Son and His dews. Many are faithful only in a material way, but they are unfaithful in their thoughts, which regret and wish for what they sacrificed. They are virgins only by half. If their flesh is intact, their hearts are not. Their hearts ferment, boil, exhale fumes of sensuality. The more refined and reproved, the more it is invention of a mind that caresses, nourishes, and continually enlarges the images of satisfactions, illicit even for those who are free more than illicit for those consecrated to God. The value of purity is such that, as you have seen, the first thing Satan was anxious about was to deceive me about impurity. He knows very well that sensual sins dismantle the soul and make it an easy prey to other sins. Satan's efforts aimed at this capital point in order to defeat me. Bread, hunger, are the material forms for the allegory of appetite, of the appetites that Satan takes advantage of for his own purpose. The food he offered me to make me fall intoxicated at his feet is quite a different thing. Greed would have followed, then avarice, power, idolatry, blasphemy, and the abjuration of the divine law. But that was the first step to catch me exactly as he did to injure Adam. The world sneers at pure people. Those who are guilty of lewdness strike them. But if there is still some light in the world, this is due to the pure of the world. They are the servants of God. They understand God and repeat God's words. I say, happy the pure in heart, 
they shall see God. Also in this world, since the fumes of sensuality do not perturb their hearts, they see God, they hear Him, they follow Him, and they show Him to other people. John of Zebedee is a pure soul. He is the pure one amongst my disciples, a soul as beautiful as a flower in an angelical body. He calls me with the words of his first master and asks me to give him peace, but he already has peace in his heart because of his purity, and I loved him because of his purity, to which I entrusted my teachings, my secrets, and the most dear creature I had, my mother. He was my first disciple, who loved me from the very first instant he saw me. His soul had melted with mine from the day he saw me passing near the Jordan, and he saw the Baptist pointing to me. Even if he had not found me later, when I came back from the desert, he would have looked for me until he found me, because who is pure is humble and anxious to be taught in the science of God. And like the water that flows to the sea, he goes towards those who knows to be masters in the celestial doctrine. And now Jesus continues and he says, I will forestall a remark as well. In his gospel, John mentioning his meeting with me says, And the following day. It would therefore appear that the Baptist pointed me out the day after my baptism and that John and James followed me at once. But that conflicts with what the other evangelists said about the forty days spent in the desert. But you should read as follows. John the Baptist, having already been arrested, one day later the two disciples of John the Baptist, the ones to whom he had pointed me out, saying, Here is the Lamb of God, on seeing me again, called me and followed me after I had come back from the desert. And we went back together to the shores of the Lake of Galilee, where I had taken shelter to begin evangelizing from there. And the two, after being with me during the whole journey, and then for one day in the hospitable house of a friend of my relatives, spoke to me to the other fishermen. But it was the initiative of John whose will to do penance had made his soul, already so limpid owing to his purity, a masterpiece of pellucidity, in which the truth was clearly reflected, bestowing on him also the holy daring of the pure and generous, who are never afraid of stepping forward, wherever they see that there is God, and truth, and doctrine, and the way of God. How much I loved him for that simple, heroical feature of his! Now we will continue with when John and James of Zebedee approach Peter and his brother Andrew about their meeting with the Messiah. They are at the Lake of Galilee. John comes out of a little street and goes quickly towards the lake. James follows him, but much more calmly. John is searching for the boat on the lake. When he sees it, it is about a hundred yards from the beach, maneuvering to enter the harbor. Holding his hands at the sides of his mouth, he shouts at the top of his voice, a long ooee, which must be their usual call. When he sees that they have heard him, he gesticulates with both his arms, obviously meaning, come, come. The men in the boat, not knowing what is the matter, lay on the oars, and the boat moves faster than it did with the sail. When they are about ten meters from the shore, 
John does not wait any longer. He takes off his mantle and his long tunic and throws them on the shore. He takes off his sandals and lifts his under tunic and holds it with one hand, and then goes into the water to meet the boat arriving. "'Why did you two not come?' asks Andrew. Peter sulkily does not say one word. "'And why did you not come with me and James?' John replies to Andrew. "'I went fishing,' says Andrew. "'I have no time to waste. You disappeared with that man.' "'I beckoned you to come,' says John. "'It is him. You should hear his words. We stayed with him all day until late at night. We have now come to say to you, "'Come.' "'Is it really him?' asks Andrew. "'Are you sure? We only saw him then.' when the Baptist pointed him out to us. It is him, says John. He did not deny it. Anyone can say what suits him to impose himself on dupes, mumbles Peter dissatisfied. It is not the first time. Oh, Simon Peter, don't say that, says John. He is the Messiah. He knows everything. He hears you. John is grieved and dismayed at Simon Peter's words. Sure, the Messiah, and he showed himself to you, says Simon Peter, James and Andrew, three poor ignorant fishermen. The Messiah will need much more than that. And he hears me? Ha, my poor boy, the first sunshine of spring has damaged your brains. Come on, come and do some work. That's much better, and forget such fairy tales. I am telling you, says John, he is the Messiah. John the Baptist said holy things, but he speaks of God, who is not Christ cannot speak such words. Simon Peter, I am not a boy, James of Zebedee says. I am old enough, and I am composed, and thoughtful, you know that. I did not speak much, but I listened a lot during the hours we spent with the Lamb of God, and I can tell you that really he can be but the Messiah. Why don't you believe? Why do you not want to believe? You may not believe because you have not heard him, but I believe him. We are poor and ignorant? Well, he says that he has come to announce the gospel of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of peace, to the poor, humble, and little ones, before the great ones. He said, the great ones already have their delights. They are not enviable delights when compared with the ones I have come to bring you. The great ones are already capable of understanding by means of their culture. But I have come to the little ones of Israel and of the world, to those who weep and hope, to those who seek light and are hungry for the real manna, to whom learned men do not give light and food, but only burdens, darkness, chains, contempt." And I call the little ones. I have come to turn the world upside down, because I will lower what is now held high, and I will raise what is now held in contempt. Let those who want the truth and peace, who want eternal life, come to me. Those who love light, let them come to me. I am the light of the world. Did he not say that, John? James has spoken in a calm and gentle voice. Yes, says John. And he said, The world will not love me. The great world will not love me, because it is corrupted by vices and idolatry. Nay, the world will not want me, because as it is the offspring of darkness, 
it does not love the light. But the earth is not made only of the great world. There are on it also those who, mixed with the world, are not of the world. There are people who are of the world because they have been imprisoned in it like fish in a net. See, none of those fish wanted to be caught in the net. Also men intentionally would not like to fall prey to mammon. Mammon is another name for Satan. Not even the most wicked who blinded by pride do not believe they have no right to do what they do. Their real sin is pride. All the other sins grow from it. Those who are not completely wicked would like even less to fall prey to mammon, but they fall because of their frivolity and because of a weight that drags them to the bottom and which is Adam's sin. I have come to remove that sin and while awaiting the hour of redemption to give those who believe in me a strength such that will enable them to free themselves from the snares that trap them and will make them free to follow me, the light of the world. Peter says, Well then, if he said that, we must go to him at once. Peter, with his impulsiveness, which is so genuine and I like so much, has decided at once and is already acting accordingly, hastening to unload the boat which has already reached the shore. The fishermen have almost beached it, unloading nets, ropes, and sails. And you, silly Andrew, why did you not go with them? asks Peter. But, but Simon Peter, his brother says, you reproached me because I did not persuade them to come with me. You have been grumbling all night, and now you rebuke me because I did not go? You are right, says Simon Peter, but I did not see him. You did, and you must have seen that he is not like us. He must have something compelling. Oh, yes, John says. His face, his eyes, what beautiful eyes, aren't they, James? And his voice, what a voice. When he speaks, you seem to be dreaming of heaven. Quick, quick, let's go and see him, says Peter. And you, addressing the other fisherman, take everything to Zebedee and tell him to do as he thinks best. We will be back this evening in time to go fishing. They all get dressed and set out. But Peter, after a few yards, stops and gets hold of John's arm and asks him, Did you say that he knows everything and hears everything? Yes, I did, says John. Just think that when he saw the moon high up in the sky, I said, I wonder what Simon will be doing now. And Jesus said, He is casting his net, and he cannot set his mind at rest, because he has to do it all by himself, since you did not go out with the twin boat in such a good evening for fishing. He does not know that before long he will be fishing with different nets and catching different fish. Holy mercy, it is true, says Peter. Well, he will also have heard also that I called him little less than a liar. I can't go to him. But oh, he's so good, says John. He certainly knows what you thought. He already knew. Because when we left him saying that we were coming to you, he said, Go, but don't let the first words of contempt discourage you. Who wants to come with me must be able to make headway against the sneering words of the world and the prohibitions of relatives. Because I am above blood and society, and I triumph over them. 
and who is with me will also triumph forever. And he also said, Don't be afraid to speak. The man who hears will come, because he is a man of good will. Is that what he said? asks Peter. I'll come. Speak, speak of him while we are going. Where is he? He is in a poor house. They must be his friends, says John. Is he poor? asks Peter. He is a workman from Nazareth. So he said, says John. And how does he live now if he does not work any longer? asks Peter. We did not ask him. Perhaps his relatives help him. And Peter says, It would have been better if we had brought some fish, some bread and fruit, something. We are going to consult a rabbi because he is like, he is more than a rabbi and we are going empty-handed. Our rabbis do not like that. But he does, says John. We had but twenty pennies between us, James and I, and we'd offered him them, as is customary with rabbis. He did not want them. But since we insisted so much, he said, May God reward you with the blessings of the poor. Come with me. And he gave them to some poor people. He knew where they lived. And when we asked him, Master, are you not keeping anything for yourself? He replied, The joy of doing the will of God and serving his glory. We also said, Are you calling us, Master? But we are all poor. What shall we bring you? And he replied with a smile, which made us enjoy the delights of paradise. And he said, I want a great treasure from you. And we said, But we have nothing. And Jesus answered, A treasure with seven names, which even the poorest may have, while the rich may not possess it. You have it, and I want it. Listen to the names. Charity, faith, goodwill, right intention, continence, sincerity, and the spirit of sacrifice. Those are the seven virtues. That is what I want from all my followers, only that, and you have it. It is dormant like a seed under a winter clod, but the spring sunshine will make it sprout into a sevenfold spike. That is what he said. Ah, says Peter, now I feel that he is the true Rabboni, the promised Messiah. He is not harsh with the poor. He does not ask for money. It is enough to call him the holy man of God. We can go safely. So this lesson was about the first meeting of John and James of Zebedee with the Messiah and how excited and happy they were and how sure they were when they met him that he was the Messiah. And they ran to bring the news to their, their friends, Peter and his brother Andrew. The four of them, the four fishermen from Galilee, then set out to go and find Jesus, and they become his first apostles. Thank you for joining me. Go with God.